Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. You look at Tiffany, there are some allegations that were made that since been dropped. You feel comfortable, you're going to be able to go to a studio and say, look, we're going to do this movie. I need I need the original cast. I do. I do. Girl Strip 2, I can't make it without her. Yeah, you it, know? It, 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 Come it, yeah. on. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host, Shannon Sharp. I'm also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. And the guy that's stopping by today is one of Hollywood blockbuster hit makers. He's grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. Ten of his films have debuted at number one at the box office. Executive producer, entrepreneur, Hollywood record-breaking filmmaker, Will Packer. My guy. Will, how you man? doing? I'm in the club. What you Bad. talking about? Thank I need to talk stop- to you about your security. Had to show my ID like twice. Yeah, I'm yeah. over there. I'm like, hey, man, I, but I know Shannon. They said everybody knows Shannon. Yeah, but you can You can never be too cautious. You know, I see. You're getting crazy after dark out here now. Tough to get in here in Club Shay Shay. We, we're bare, we got similar rules. You live in the A. I yeah. still have a home in the A. Yeah. How's the A been? HBCU, grad. HBCU fam. Come on, you stop fam about you. it. Fam you. Fam you already Savannah know. State. Absolutely. Absolutely. How's they treating you? I like it, man. I like You know, I shoot probably half of my stuff in Atlanta okay. and the other half literally around the world. Right. Um, so I shoot in Atlanta every chance I get. I was a part of the group that actually lobbied to get the tax credit there. Correct. A lot of people don't know. That's why so much production is happening in Atlanta. It's going crazy. George is crazy. George is number one. Yeah, we, we don't we don't pass Cali. They don't pass Cali. For, for on-location <laughs> filming, it yeah. passed Cali and New York. Wow. Meaning like if you're shooting out in the world. Now, right. L.A. still got the stages, right? right? So more people shooting stages in L.A. New York. But in terms of being out in the world, right. it's Georgia. Right. So, you know, like myself and uh, Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry yeah. and uh, Turner, we all were part of a group to lobby to get the tax credit. And it has gone crazy. So I love it, man. What made you decide to come to L.A.? You're originally, you're, no, excuse me, from, to go, go to Atlanta. Atlanta. You're a Florida guy, born yeah. in Florida. Yes. What made you decide to say, you know what? I'm going to set up roots in Atlanta. Because I was graduating from FAMU, right? Okay. Me and uh, my partner at the time, a guy named Rob Hardy, had made our first little movie. It was called Chocolate City. Okay. It was a movie about black college life. Okay. And we said, okay, we got this little movie. Right. We had an audience that cared about it at our school. Right. Hollywood didn't care. Right. Okay? People watching this, don't think you're just going to make a movie and all of a sudden, you know, the chairman of Paramount and Universal going to be calling you. It don't work like that. Right. You got to hustle your way into the game. Right. So we had this movie, and we said, you know what? We can move to New York. We can move to L.A. We're going to be another fish in a big pond. Right. Or we looked at Atlanta. 
the music industry was popping. When Ooh. we came in, this is back when you're talking about LaFace records and Rowdy records mm -hmm. and So So Death. Yeah. Organized noise. All that was really starting. The Atlanta scene was really starting to, mm -hmm. to, to, bur to burst. And so we moved to Atlanta thinking, you know what? While we're trying to get our film hustle on, we'll shoot music video. Right. And we'll have like a, a, a symbiotic relationship with the music industry. Great. We couldn't get one music video, bro. We couldn't get nobody hired because everybody knew each other. We were the new guys. Right. So we were kind of not in the in the clip, in the so loop. to speak. Yeah. But you know what that did for us? It forced us to independently shoot our own stuff. Right. And so we moved to Atlanta and shot our first independent movie outside of college. It was called Twa. Right. Starring Kenya Moore. It was an erotic yeah. thriller. Um, and it did well, man. It popped for us. What made you decide, you know, and I, and I tell people all the time, I think everybody that goes to a PWI, yeah. predominantly white institution, should have to spend a quarter or a semester at a historically black institution to get that, to see what homecoming is like, yep. that experience, yep. to see the step show, the yes. sorority, you yes. in the park and you're yes. in the student center yes. and you 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 playing dominoes yeah. or you, you playing spades or yeah. whatever the case may be. Bam, playing but, in the background of fraternities and sororities you, you, coming through the set, stepping. You got to feel that. It's different. Is that, yeah. is that what you wanted you, when you shot the movie Chocolate City? Is that what you wanted to portray on film? You wanted to give people a sense of what it's like to be at a historically black institution? 100%. Because we were there. I shot it while we were still students okay. at FAMU. Okay. We wanted to uh, get people to feel that culture. The okay. exact same thing you're talking about. Because mm -hmm. they really are. You know colleges are communities. Yes. So imagine, especially if you're African-American, the safest space, the most competitive space, and an area where you can really feel um, at home, challenge, love, and push to be the best you you can be. Right. That's my experience on the HBCU campus. We wanted to showcase that. And Chocolate City, to this day, is still the first uh, historically black, first movie shot on an HBCU campus by its students. Right. Right? It also was a precursor for my first number one movie, which was Stomp the Yard. R oh, yeah. I made Chocolate City, then went off and made some other movies, and I always wanted to go back and set another movie at HBCU. So mm -hmm. my first kind of big mainstream hit was Stomp the Yard, which took me back to my HBCU roots. You majored in engineering, got a degree in engineering. How the hell do you go from engineering to shooting film? Yeah, it's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I asked myself Engineer, that. like, I'm going to build a bridge, I'm going to yeah. build a building, I'm going to build roads. Yes, Nah, bro. I'm going to get behind the camera and, and shoot. Bro, I did a lot of math and science, <laughs> physics, thermodynamics, and I'm sitting on set right now like, why? Where am I using this? What was the point with all those late hours? Exactly. Here's the thing I'll tell you, though. It actually helped me to hone my analytical mind. Okay. And you kind of can't overstate how important that is, even in a creative industry. Right. I think that it gives me a leg up on my peers, the fact that I use my analytical skill set that I got from that engineering degree. Now, I ended up majoring in engineering because I got a scholarship. Coming out of high school, I was strong in math and science. Right. And there was a push to get more African-Americans in the STEM program, science, right. technology, right. engineering, uh, mathematics. And so I got a scholarship to go there. I didn't want to go to FAMU. You wanted to go to an Ivy League. I was accepted into an Ivy League. Shannon Sharp. I was like, listen, I got the grades. Yes. I yes. got accepted. Okay. I'm not going to FAMU. And then what Kids happened? trying to go to FAMU was cheating off me in high school. I'm not going over here with y'all. <laughs> what happened was we had a president who was a visionary of FAMU at the time. His name was Dr. Frederick S. Humphreys. God bless him. He's passed on. But he said, I want the top black students in the country to come to this school. And you know how you do that? Money. He went out and he went to corporations and he got major scholarships, right? Right. He came and sat in my living room at my house like I was a D1 athlete. Wow. And recruited me to go to FAMU. Right. He said, listen, 
I know you want to go to Penn. I know you got accepted to Yale. I know you want to go to these other schools, but let me tell you what we do at FAMU. We're going to make you excellence. We're going to care about it. And you are going to do things that you could never do at those other schools because we're going to care about you as a person, not just a number, not just a student. I still didn't want to go. <laughs> now, here's what happened. A funny thing happened on my way to the Ivy League. Okay. Dr. Humphreys came and dropped a bag of cash in that living room. I don't mean literally, but with his scholarship. Right. Money. Scholarship, stipend, full room and board, everything. My parents said, oh, that's nice. Hey, what they giving you over at that, uh, that old Ivy League that you want to go to? How much they give you? I said, well, you know, they're not, they're not giving me... They're not giving me nothing, but, but, you, but they let me in. They said, guess where your little black self is going to go to college? <laughs> Best decision that was ever made for me. And it really is about that cycle of excellence. You know, here you have somebody that said, listen, we can do as, as, as well as anybody else, and we can get the top students in the country. And I happened to be one of those students at the time. Right. Got recruited to go there and, it, and, and did it because it, we did have that financial incentive, and I didn't have that elsewhere. Right. My parents said, listen... You can go to an Ivy later and get your MBA if you want, but this is where you're going to start off. Right. It was the best thing that ever happened to me, man. What is it about historically black institutions? It's like, like homecoming is a big, giant, giant cookout with like 5,000, 10,000 of your closest friends. Yep. But there's the, the sense, as you mentioned, the sense of community. Yeah. Is that, you know, you, you, you're standing out, everybody is suited and booted. Because yeah. I don't know how, I, I mean, I, when, I go to my, when I, I would go to my brother, he was at the University of South Carolina, and I'm seeing people in sweats and they like pajamas. I was like, where they do that at? Yeah. We suited and booted. You're clean, baby. We got on Lee Jeans. We got on Calvin Klein. We got on Izod. We yes. got on Dark Side. We to the nine. It's a fashion show. Yes. Come on, man. Stop playing. You know how we do. We had to. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's like you said, everybody needs to experience that. Yes. Everybody. I got a lot of friends that went to PWI. I got friends that played ball and all of that. Yeah. And they all say, man, I wish I'd had just a little bit of that experience. Yeah. And here's the thing. It stays with you in a different way. It does. That's taking nothing away from any other school. No, no. But you no. know, like I know, when you go to an HBCU, that is your family Lee. for life. Yes. For yes. life. What is it that you think that makes Atlanta so many black successful yeah. gravitate there? You mentioned yourself. You mentioned uh Tyler Perry. Yep. Steve Harvey has a home there. Absolutely. So many of 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 today's Hollywood and and celebrities, entertainers migrate to Atlanta. Yeah. Why? Success begets success. You see other people doing it there and you go, you know what? I can do it too. Right. I know that's what's happened in entertainment. Right. You know, I know that 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 I was there very early. Tyler was there very early. Now you have other people, you know, you name it from, from you know, Ryan Coogler with Black Panther right. to um, a lot of the big movies are shot there because people see what we've been able to right. do. There's a true community there. There's an environment, not just in entertainment, but you look at politics, you look at business. It is a place where you do have a lot of high-achieving African-Americans that are succeeding. And then they're bringing other people along to work with them and to help. And so it becomes a network and it becomes a positive cycle. Right. Cycles don't always have to be negative. You talk right. about cyclical things. Right. It can be positive as well. I right. think we're seeing that in Atlanta. You, I mean, I'm looking at you. You, uh, T.I. was in your movie Takers. Yeah. Ludacris had a project, uh, Dancing Through the Snow. Yeah. How, when, when you, when you produce, getting ready to shoot a movie, do you have an idea of who you like to star in the movie? Or do you, how, how far along is the movie before you start to say, okay, I think this guy would be perfect or I think she would be perfect? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you always know. You always have an idea who you want right. in the movie, Right. It doesn't Ain't no always, huh? That's no correct. You can get them. It doesn't always work out like that. I was gonna say, <laughs> right? Um, I made the movie Girls Trip. Right. 
I knew for a fact Regina Hall was the absolute first person we went to. Okay. Love Regina, right. one of my most frequent collaborators. I knew we wanted her. Right. Had a conversation with Latifah and Jada, and they said, man, we have not worked together in so long. We would love to work together. Now I got my three. Right. We were not thinking about Tiffany Haddish for that final role. Right. So I went in, knew that I wanted actresses on a certain level. So I knew I wanted Regina. Had a great conversation with Latifah and Jada. That worked out. Now I got to finish out that, that final role. Right. And then we went out and we cast it. She came in and killed the audition. Right. So it's like, you know, being a producer is like being a project manager. Right. You really have to know how to put all the pieces together. That's okay. my job. You right. can say, what does a producer do? Because people get confused. They think it's like a director. You yell at action and cut. Right. I always use the analogy that if you look at, at the Oscars, right. the final award of the night is Best Picture. Right. Who gets Best Picture? That's the producer. Right? That's after. Best director, best cinematography, best sound, best mm -hmm. editing, all of that. The producer was responsible for hiring all those other people. Right. Putting all the elements together. Okay. And ultimately, the final product is what the producers judged on. Now that we started off with Go Girls Trip, we're going to get to that later. You're thinking about doing a sequel. Yeah, man. Um, original cast or a different direction? Now, I got to have a cast in there. I gotta, I gotta take them, cause they, cause, cause people love those ladies. Yes, they love those characters. Yeah, well, that was uh, my first time seeing Tiffany Haddish. I had no idea who she was. Really, a lot and of people. We, and did. she, she, she stole the. Actually, she stole the show. To be honest, yeah, yeah. all of them were great. Yeah, I love Latifah. Yeah, uh, love Jada. Uh, yeah. Regina Hall. She's one of my favorites. But Tiffany Haddish, it was her mannerisms and and everything was just like. She was a breakout. Yeah. I mean, because she was, everybody else that came in and auditioned for that role, they were playing the character that right. they read on the page. But that's her. Tiffany that's became her. the character. Yeah. She took what was on the page and right. took it to the next right. level. Every now and then, you have an actor that's just made for a role. Right. Kevin Hart. Kevin had been in the game for, for years, right. right? Right. He hadn't had that mainstream breakout success. We did our movie, Think Like a Man. Right. And he needed just that platform and if you see things like a man, he's kind of the maestro. Right. He's in there, you know what I mean? All the guys are around him. He's right. our narrator. Right. It was the perfect platform for his talent, his skill set. Right. Idris Elba, another one of my freaking collaborators. His first movie after The Wire was a little movie I made called The Gospel. And it was a faith-based film. Right. And Idris came in and played a Southern preacher. Yeah. And it was just the platform at that time that helped introduce them to new audiences that didn't know them. Right? Right. So it's that's what it's about. As a producer, you're just trying to put the pieces together. Right. It's like a puzzle, man. And everything got to fit. If it doesn't, the movie doesn't work. You look at Regina, excuse me, not Regina, but you look at Tiffany, there are some allegations that were made that since been dropped. Mm -hmm. You see the situation that happened with Jada and Will at the Oscars. We'll talk touching that a little later. Uh, and Tiffany says, everything that I had is dried up. Mm. You, you feel comfortable that that she, you're going to be able to go to a studio and say, look, we're going to do this movie. I need, I need the original cast. I do. I do. I certainly hope so. Um, I think that, you know, we are in a time period where there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of nuance. Right. It's just black or white, and the reality right. is that right. we live in a gray world. Um, and I think that, you know, she's very talented, obviously very remorseful, and has come out and apologized, and so... Uh, I certainly hope so. And I certainly would advocate for her, you know, girl strip too. I can't make it without her. Yeah, you it, know? It's, it, it, Come yeah. on. Because I, I don't know who you can cast in that role. It would feel very obvious that right. you didn't have her. Right. You know? So we'll see how these things go. But, um, you know, it is, it is, I always tell people, 
that it becomes a tricky conversation when you align the art with the artist so much and you don't have a separation between right. art and artist. Right. And that doesn't mean that you justify bad behavior. It right. just means that sometimes, I'm not even talking about Tiffany, I'm talking about in general, you have to look at, um, at the art right. and you have to judge the art. And then you can also judge the artist. And sometimes one doesn't work, you know what I mean? You can't enjoy the art because art, right. you don't like the artist. That's right. fine. Right. But you do have to have a separate conversation right. between art and artist. So when you talk about the art, Girls Trip 2, I would definitely want those four ladies. Right. What, where, where are you on cancel culture? It seems that we're now that if somebody makes a mistake, it's unforgiven. No matter no matter how small it is, yeah. now nah, we're done with you. You can't do this anymore. Yeah. And 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 uh, like I said, we're going to talk about the, the, the incident later. But I'm still going to buy, if Will Smith does a movie, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. If yeah. somebody does something, I'm, I'm going to go see it. Y'all, I'm not, I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah, yeah. You have to, it's like I said, nuance, bro. Um, you know, listen, you in the public eye. Yes. You are in media. You are every day. Yes. Right? Yes. Microphone in your face. Yes. And you got a whole bunch of people waiting for you to say just one little thing one wrong. Thing. Yes. Please. They yes. wait. You got yes. the Shannon Sharp haters. Yes. That's like, please say yes. something we yes. can jump on. Right? That's the world that we live in now, unfortunately. I love what social media can be at its best, right? It's the democratization of power to the people. Right. Everybody has a voice. Your voice can be heard. You don't have to be a Shannon Sharp. You don't have to be a Will Packer. Right. The other side of that is that you have a lot of people that weaponize it, man. Yes. You have a lot of people, and there's no room for a conversation other than you did wrong, you have to be canceled, you're out of here, right. we don't deal with you, we're going to do everything we can to stop you from here on out. Right. Well, there's no room for growth or redemption when you do that. Okay. There's no room for a conversation for people to learn also. Right. My opinion, I think uh, intentionality matters. Yes. What was your intention? Ten. What is your intent? Doesn't make it right. You can still do wrong Correct. while intending positive, but we have to take that into account, in my opinion. So I think that um, it's a pendulum that swings. You talk about cancel culture. There's been a lot of things that, you know, you look at African-Americans in media, a lot of opportunities we haven't had that we should have had, right? right? However, um, I think that you do have a pendulum that has swung so far that you do have a group of people that say, once there's anything that we can take issue with, that's it. Right. That it's over for that person. And very frequently, I don't agree. Now, I work in this industry. I know a lot of these imperfect people just like you do. Right. And I know a lot of times their intent is strong. Right. In the right place. It's a, it's, a, it's a process. It really is. That pendulum has swung one way. It'll swing back the other way. We just got to figure out we can all do better and be more progressive as a society. But it doesn't always mean that we throw out every person that makes a mistake. Right. I'm looking at comedians because I think it's getting harder and harder for them to do your, their job. Yeah. Now, we know there are certain things that, like, Eddie Murphy, I don't know if Eddie could have... In today's time, oh, the boy. jokes that he told on Delirious mm -hmm. and Raw, mm -hmm. Bernie Mac... Uh, 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 Robert Harris, yeah, 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 that 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 different time. It's a different time. Yeah. How how do you, how do they walk this fine line? Because what they do, they take actual true things that have happened mm -hmm. and they make them funny. Yeah. I watched Dave Chappelle's monologue on Saturday Night Live. It might it was the greatest monologue. Yeah. The way he wove and yes. talked. Hey, he's like, they're land, they're land. I mean, it's full of landmines. Yes, and yes. he's stepping over every landmine. Yes, <laughs> so deft. Just stepping, absolutely. <laughs> Didn't get him one time. Not one time. It matters how you say it. Because yes. he said some of the same types of things mm. that others have said, but the way that he said it, he is an expert storyteller. Yes. And that's the answer to your question. 
comedians, right? And I've had this conversation with, with Kevin Hart. I've had this conversation with Rock. It matters how you deliver it and how you say it. You can say a lot of stuff, right? Right. But the way that you say it matters. Even if you look at the under, other side, somebody like a Donald Trump, right? I don't care where your politics are. Right. He's not a comedian. He has said some things that 90% of the people could not say. Right. But the way he says it in a charismatic way, which speaks to a certain segment of the population, allows him to get away with okay. it. That is the reality. Right. So when people say, well, you just can't be a comedian these days, I disagree. I think you have to work very hard to... It's getting harder, though. It, it, you have to be <laughs> careful. You have to be really good. But what, but what does that mean, Shannon? Does that mean that the bar is higher? Like, only, like, because the best... You know, you got to get better. The cream will rise to the top. Yes, it's you know what I mean. Like it's not like Chappelle hadn't gotten in a bunch of trouble oh, with yeah. a certain you know group of people for he sure. Has, he has, but I also think it's the way that you say, it, and there's a deafness and mm-hmm. and deft uh, to the way that he handles controversial subjects and situations, and he's a master storyteller. Right. You know, so. is, it, is it is it because it's sometimes that when you can make something funny and it takes the edge off of it. For sure. Because it's, people are laughing. People are like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of said some of the same things that got the other guys in trouble. You, right. you do realize that he's saying this, yes. right? But the way he said it, <laughs> it didn't feel like he was talking down to someone. Yeah. And the thing is, he, he, he pulled out a note. Yeah. And he apologized. He apologized and he, off, off the rip. He said, Kanye, you know, that's how you buy some time. That's all you had to do. <laughs> Buy some time. <laughs> you mentioned your politics. You're very, you're, you're a very political person. Obviously, yeah. you care. We should. We're citizens. Yes. And people think, I think sometimes people think if you're famous, you're an athlete, that you're unaffected, you're unimpacted by what's transpired. I'm, I, I care. Yeah. I care about the economy. I yeah. care about inflation. Yeah. I care about, you know, uh, uh, pop, the, the hunger and things, of, uh, the homelessness. Yes. I care about those things. Yes. Yes. Having money doesn't exempt you from world problems. At all maybe give you a better avenue to be able to deal with those, but it doesn't exempt you. Right. Um, you are a big Stacey Abrams proponent. Are yes. you surprised? I mean, the last time she ran, she lost by 80,000 votes. This time it wasn't even close. Are you surprised that it was such a blowout this time around? Um, I wasn't because uh, I think it just speaks to where Georgia is right now. Yeah. Um, I think that there was, first of all, Stacey's incredible. Yes. She ran an incredible campaign the right. first time. Uh, and... A lot of people thought because in 2020 and then 2021, when we had the Senate runoffs, we got two Democratic senators, a black man and a Jewish man. Correct. In the state of Georgia. Yes. But what people didn't really understand is that it was a very unique confluence of events that allowed that to happen. Okay, you were coming off 2020 where you had Georgia Republicans and Republicans nationwide that just said, I'm not going to vote for Trump. Right. Okay. you said you had people that literally voted all the way down yeah. the ticket and did not vote for him. They correct. said, I'm just, I'm tired of the right. last four and years. And normally for much. the most part, you vote down ballot from that top to correct. bottom. That is correct. You had a lot of people that did not vote there. Then in that runoff, you had him and a lot of other people saying, well, the election is rigged. Right. It's fraud everywhere. So you had a lot of Republicans that stayed, home. stayed home. They did not come. And Ossoff and Warnock benefited from that because those of us that work very hard to energize the Democratic base, we got our folks out. Right. right? This time around, there was um, a big push amongst Republicans. You see that every midterm, the party that's not in power usually comes out and comes strong. Right. And so in Georgia, ultimately, you still do have a lot more Republican registered voters. Mm-hmm. And so their base is bigger than the Democratic base there. Stacey was up against that. Now, it speaks to, um, when you look at Senator Warnock, uh, it speaks to the fact that he was up against a very flawed candidate because just about every other statewide race in Georgia, the Republicans won. Correct. But that one, they couldn't get it there. Right. You had a lot of people that said, I can't do that. Right. I can't 
hold my nose and punch that Walker ticket. Right. So what? Now, obviously, we're gonna have a runoff. I think it's December sixth. It is between uh, uh, Senator Warnock <clears throat> and uh, Herschel Walker. Yeah. And look, I don't have anything. I don't, I don't want to come out here and speak bad about Herschel. But I think what is for me, my problem is, is that they've allowed he's allowed them to make him a caricature of the worst stereotype that's been portrayed on us. Right. For hundreds of years. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. Yeah. The way the, he's taught, he has like. He had, I mean, to hear him talk yeah. about certain things. Yeah. And I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Serious? I'm like, people, seriously? Yeah. Here, here, here's a challenge, and, and I'm saying this to you. Black man to black man. Yes. Successful black man to successful black man. High-profile media black man to somebody that also works in media, right? Here's the challenge, Shannon. It hurts us to see a black man in that position. Now... If Herschel Walker was doing almost anything else, selling cars or hosting a, a late night show, anything, right? I wouldn't have any issues. And I would have a problem with people, you know, uh, making fun or demonizing or characterizing him right. in a negative way. Right. But you're talking about running for one of the most powerful positions in the country. Yes. It has to matter. Yes. And we know for a fact that you've got people on the other side that said, we're going to prop up somebody that is unqu unqualified. Qualified. We are very intentionally going to put somebody in a position who does not have the qualifications, right? Mm -hmm. Qualifications have to matter when you're talking about the U.S. Senate, brother. Yeah, it should. That's what's painful. I don't, I don't, I hate the fact that we have a black man running for Senate who is so severely unqualified and is so very clear. Right. And he happens to be running against another, another. black man, right? happens to be a pastor, and you have a lot of evangelicals in the South, in Georgia, that right. are like, well, I'm going to vote for, for Walker. Right. I'm not going to vote for the pastor. I'm going to vote for the other guy. That's just about you being in your own echo chamber and just following right. along with the political divide. Right. It's not about the most qualified candidate. You can't take nobody of any intelligence is going to argue that. Correct. Right? But it just shows where we are, and so you feel we do, and a lot of people, like, we know they are using this brother. Right. He's allowing himself to be used. But you know what? Sometimes the hardest people to see that is the person that's being used. Oh! It's, it's kind of... Oh. You know, we've all seen that. Man, she using him, or yeah. he's using her. Yeah, absolutely. They don't see that, Ooh. but you're on the outside. You're Sometimes you're so close, you don't feel or you can't Correct. sense what's actually going on. That's, that's we're the looking sad at this part, man. And, like, and we're watching all these, the voters, tie themselves up in pretzels. They ask, you know, they're so, this Republican base is so against abortions. Where Herschel played for abortions. Well, that's different. Yeah. Hold on, what do you mean? Yeah. I thought you'd say killing an unborn child is murder, but if he's driving the lady to the, to the place and paying for it, yeah. what is that? Right. Well, it all depends on what is God. That's between him and his God. Oh, really? Yeah. So what about the woman and her God? Yeah, yeah. You can justify anything <laughs> you can. when you want to. When you don't want to look at the truth, you want to justify it, you can. Right. You know, and that's what's happening there. I just... And by the way, you said it. If you think he... He is going to these rallies and looking at these people and thinking, I'm qualified. I got a chance to win. Right. I might win. I should win. Right. right? That's how he's thinking of it. He's not looking at it as there is a structure that is using you. Right. Right? To try to undermine something that's happening right. with another political party. Not because you are qualified or we want your ideals or we want your skill set. Right. No. We just need a body. We yeah. need somebody that's popular. And you know like I know, in Georgia... God football family, and that, that order switches uh, yeah, depending on the day he, of the week, he's brother. He's still 
A legend. A legend. Absolutely. People look at him and they say some of the most, the fondest memories I have of Herschel were with him running the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, taking Georgia across the end zone. Yeah. I, I will always love him. I'll always have a fondness. That's the power of sports. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. But when you blur the lines and you talk about putting somebody in a position of real power, that's where it gets disturbing. That's where we got a responsibility to do the right thing. Were you always a big sports fan? Yeah, man. You played yeah. sports growing up? I did. I did play football. Um, you know, I was the small, fast dude. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I wasn't about Shannon Sharp this time. I was, you know, I played in Florida. So we right. played, we, you know, I we mean, had Florida, some dogs. Florida football is, yeah. Florida football is it. Yeah. What you mean is, yeah. I know you're a Georgia boy, but yeah. you know, we right there with y'all. Yeah. yeah, the South, the football is king in the football South. Football is king in the South. Yeah, I played football, baseball. I was an athlete growing up. I got a son who played college ball um, at Harvard, incidentally. So yeah, I got I got a little DNA in me. Did did you want to did you want to play professionally Absolutely or did you no. or did you I knew I didn't have that one in the cards for me. Okay. That was never I mean, you know, if if it was in the cards, you know what I mean? Right. I would have I would have done it, but uh that was definitely not in the cards. I didn't have the frame, the stature, uh or the athletic ability if we being honest. I mean, the movie things turned out okay though. You graduated magna cum laude. I graduated. Thank you, Lottie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you were trying to get a get degree. Out of there, huh? I majored in eligibility. I didn't need to stay in for the football season. I get, <laughs> hey, how about I need? Two point? Gotcha. 2.75 it is. Did, I mean, bachelor's science degree in electrical engineering. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you, yeah. did, when you growing up, you like, hmm, what, do I, what did you want to be? What did Will Packer want to be when he was growing up? A boss. <laughs> That's the truth. I wanted to be a boss. Okay. I didn't know what kind. I didn't know. I wanted to be in charge. Right. You wanted to tell somebody else what to do. <laughs> I did. I wanted to have my own company, my own business. Right. So my parents explained to me, well, that's entrepreneurship. Right. That's what you want to go after. Okay. But it really was this ideal of, I want to be the person that's calling the shots. Correct. I didn't know how. I didn't know exactly the industry or the field. Okay. But they said, all right, well, what you got to do is bust your ass. Right. You got to work hard. That was instilled in me very early. Right. You got to go out there. If you put your name on it, you better be given 110%. And so that's why, ultimately, I made a grades in high school, went to college, majored in engineering. Didn't want to be... That was not my dream. Right. But that was where, you know, I got the scholarship. Right. I, magna cum laude, as you said. Bust my ass. Working very, very hard in engineering. Right. I still use that mindset, as I mentioned, the analytical right. mindset, even in making my movies today. Right. A lot of people think you can just, you know, decide to wake up and work hard. Nah, if you haven't been honing a work ethic... If you're not the person that's been working hard and learning how to work hard, you're not going to just all of a sudden be like, oh, I want to do Well, you'll work hard for a couple of days or a couple of months, and then you'll turn it back off. You because you working hard is in you. It has to be in you. And you have to be doing you. that at a very young age. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And by the way, sometimes doing it in areas that, you know, may not be your passion. Correct. I tell people that all the time. You'll find your passion. Right. But while you're in whatever you're in, bust your ass with that. Right. Be the best whatever you can be. When I came out of FAMU... The first uh, movie I interned on, I was the lowest, lowest, lowest on the totem pole, right? right? I was uh, uh, under the PAs. I was an intern in the camera department. I was the absolute best camera intern that anybody on that set had ever seen. I right. showed up early. I stayed late. I did everything they wanted me to do. I was around there wrangling the cables, got them right. My cables never got twisted. Right. I did whatever I needed to do right. because my name was on it. Now, right. I looked and I said, well, I want to be the producer. I don't want to be doing this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be getting coffee to this person, that person. But you got to do what you got to right. do. Put in the time. Sometimes in this generation with the instant gratification, you have a lot of people not willing to put in that work. Right. But I'm somebody that got to where I am by learning how to grind from an early age and it's paid off for me. That's what I tell kids. I say, I think you should have, it's kind of like, you know, in sports, people do, guys do one thing now. They just play football. Or they just play basketball. Or they just do one thing. 
and I take apply this to, to life and jobs. I say do a lot of things mm. because it'll tell you what you don't want to do once you get older. Because I can assure you, if you don't want to do that as a kid, yeah. you damn sure not gonna want to do it as an adult. Yep. Things are easy as a kid. I mean, I did a lot of jobs like, okay, I ain't no, I don't want to catch chickens. I don't want to crop tobacco. I don't want to clip onions. I don't want to pick up pecans. I don't want to low watermelon or bale hay. Yeah. I don't want to do field labor. Yeah. So I, that early on in my life, I like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then I started playing sports. And then I found out you could make money playing sports. Oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I yeah, want to do. Yeah. That's how. That's how I want to get my family. But you also were extraordinarily gifted at. Yes. It. Yes. You found something that you like to do and that you could do really yes. well. So a lot of people that want to be Shannon Sharp don't have the skill set or the work ethic. But sometimes you you're good at one thing. You don't want to do it, and you deny that gift trying to go to a gift that's, that you're not blessed with. That is very true. That is very true. I agree. So what you got to do, find the thing that you are good at. Okay. Do that. Yes. Sometimes you'll find your passion along the way. You're right. absolutely right. You have people that are good at one thing and say, but right. I think I want to do something else. Right. Is there a way for you to combine it? Is there a way for you to do right. this until you got enough resources where then you can step right. out and chase something else? Right. But don't give up what you're good at. Right. Because if you're really good at something, I believe everybody has a talent. You good at it, go for it. And go hard. Right. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. How did going to an HBCU help you in your movie career? It gave me a different perspective than a lot of my peers. Um, number one, it taught me who I'm making my movies for. Okay. When I made my first movie, Chocolate City, uh, we it was starring other kids that went to school. But it was a nobody in that movie. We barely, you know, knew what we were doing. We right. were trying to keep the shots in focus. Yeah. Man, right? You, you shot it on camcorder? We shot it on... <laughs> Super 16 millimeter film. I see you. It's a little Savannah State shade in there, brother. I didn't have a camcorder, okay? I had some film, all right? Y'all see him over here in Club Shay Shay. I knew, I knew when I was at the line trying to get in here, Club Shay Shay was going to take some shots at me. So I had this movie that we shot, and nobody in Hollywood could give a damn about Chocolate City. Right. Right? But guess what? We had our world premiere. We were in uh, Lee Hall, which is our auditorium on campus. We had a formal premiere. We made everybody go out and rent tux. You know these students. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They barely got money. To, we make go to Cicino and Son, rent you a tux. You know what I'm saying? Rent you a ball gown because we're taking this very seriously. Right. Now, I invited everybody, all the big dogs in Hollywood, right? I invited everybody. If you had a studio, the chairman of Fox, Universal, Paramount, so I invited all of them, okay? Uh, my mama was like, did you invite Oprah? I said, mama. Oprah not She said, you invite all them other people. Invite Oprah. I said, okay, mom, I'm invite Oprah. On the day of the premiere, I'm standing on stage getting ready to introduce my movie, and the whole front row is empty. 
because I had saved seats for all these Hollywood people. Right. Now, none of them RSVP, mind right. you. Right. No, not one person had the decency to even say, they, I'm not I'm coming. I'm not going to be able to They didn't it. let me know they got the invite, right? That front row was it because Shannon Sharp, what if a whole fleet of private jets that showed up at Tallahassee Regional Airport the day of my premiere I had to be ready for? Right. I had saved a seat for Oprah with a plus one. She could have brought Stabman or Gail. Right. It didn't matter, right. right? Whole front row is empty. But guess what? Every other seat in that auditorium was packed. Wow. And that's when I learned I'm not making my movies for the front row. I'm making them for everybody else. That's what I learned at an HBCU. And I have been making movies for an audience and then expanding beyond that audience ever since. Wow. Did it make you, did it leave you a little like, damn, couldn't nobody show up? They couldn't send, they couldn't send like a gopher. They couldn't send nobody. some uh, an assistant. Yeah. They couldn't send anybody. A little bit. Because I thought, you know, we had gone through all this trouble and worked hard and made this movie. Like, you know, right. Hollywood's got to care, right? No, they don't. You know what made Hollywood care? After we made that movie and we sold uh, T-shirts, hats, soundtracks, we convinced the second-run theater that was uh, showing movies for like $1.50 after they right. would leave the main theaters. That was a thing back in the day. Yeah. We convinced them to show our movie over and over again. And for the kids in Tallahassee at FAMU, it was a big deal. Right. And they would go see the movie every weekend, right? Right. We ended up taking that. We, we had borrowed about 20 grand to make that movie. We ended up making about $100,000 wow. as broke college students. Right. That's when I realized, oh, this is my Ivy League training. Right. This is my MBA-level education and entrepreneurship right here. And I also realized that there's power in understanding your niche and who you're making your movies for. Okay. That's what I learned at an HBCU. I learned that I need to make, I need to know my audience, make my movies for a specific audience, and by the way, make money without Hollywood. That's the only reason Hollywood started returning my calls, because I was making money without them. They'll leave you out there on your own if you're not doing nothing and making no noise. Right. But if you want to get Hollywood's attention, you go out there and you make money without them. Right. Then my phone started ringing. How did someone from an HBCU with no connections to Hollywood. None. No inner workings. Right. Like, all of a sudden, they started taking you serious. It was that you made movies that made money without their help. And it's yeah. like, well, hell, you making money. Let me get, a little let me piece get of some of like that. Absolutely. Hollywood is good for that. But now, <laughs> let me just break it, make it, clean, <laughs> okay. make it clear. It wasn't just that we made, we started making money. We were willing to do and out-hustle other people. Right. So... Even after that movie, Chocolate City, that movie, Twa, that I made, what? right? We literally drove from city to city to city. We rented a Ford excursion. We printed up a bunch of flyers. We would drive to a city, hand out flyers, and say, our movie is premiering this weekend in your theater in your town. We would go, I would hand out flyers at churches, I would hand out flyers at strip clubs. I would go to the radio station and say, hey, can I just get on for 30 seconds after you come out of your next commercial break, just tell people about my movie? We hustled. We drove that Ford Excursion from Birmingham to Charlotte, to Memphis, to Jacksonville, Tennessee, to uh, Columbus, Georgia. Drove it all the way up to, uh, to Chicago. I know every city I went to, 19 markets, because I drove to every single one, got a, a, a little room at a Motel 6, Super 8, wherever we could afford to stay in, and we drove city to city to city. And ultimately, we were able to make a million dollars in the theaters with that movie. Wow. We were willing to do what others weren't. Now, Today, you got YouTube, you can push a button, you can put it out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You got to work harder. You right. got to figure out another way because a lot of people can get views. But back then, we had to go to every single city. So that's how we really got put on the map. 
What gave you the idea to do Stomp the Yard? You mentioned Chocolate City was the first one shot exclusively on on a, on an HBCU campus. Yeah, by students, And then you yeah. came with <clears throat> Stomp the Yard, Columbus Shore, unbelievable movie, loved yeah. it. You remember that? I do remember it. Come on, You shot man. it in the AU Center? Uh, I did. I did. Yeah. I shot it. You know why I shot most of it? Morris Brown. Mo Brown. Mo Brown. (laughs) Mo B. Mo B was there. It was available, you know. Unfortunately, they were going through some challenges, Right. right? And so their campus wasn't active. Right. We shot Stomp the Yard right there at Morris Brown College in the AUC. Right. And it was inspired by my... I'll tell you exactly what happened. I wanted to make a movie about black college life. Okay. I, I had made our first in Chocolate City. I went out to Hollywood and I was like, hey... I got this movie. I want to make it about fraternities and stepping and HBCUs. Then people looked at me like I was crazy, Shannon Sharp. They didn't know anything about fraternities or stepping. Or HBCUs. <laughs> they said, y'all going to black college. I said, y'all know y'all can go to white colleges, right? We we gotta we can yeah, accept they, y'all now. But, but they don't they don't step. I said, first of all, they don't do a lot of things yeah, that we do. And y'all and y'all don't call it the yard. And they don't call it <laughs> and, and, and we they call it the yard. Homecoming ain't homecoming. Nope, it's different. You know nope, what I mean? Nope. Love to my PWI folks, but y'all don't do it like y'all we do. putting y'all putting Ray in the potato salad. That's why we can. That's why we can't do half. Shannon meat. over here throwing shade. Club Shay Shay. He talking about that unseasoned chicken at the PWI. Yeah, exactly. That was Shannon. Straight at, out the pack on the Shannon grill. Shannon Sharp. Right? Ain't nothing marinated. Straight out the pack to the grill. So I had to go and convince them yeah. that this was not a movie about all that stuff they didn't understand. Right. I said, you know what? It's a dance movie. Right. It's a really good dance movie. We're right. going to take a style of dance you've never seen before. We're going to combine two different styles of dance and make a movie around right. that. That's how Stomp the Yard got greenlit. And then I made it my movie around black college campus. Okay. Around black college life, I right. should say. Do you have me? I'm looking at your Think Like a Man, Think Like a Man, Ride Along, Obsessed, Takers, No Good Deed, The Wedding uh, the wedding Ringer. I mean, you know, Girls Trip. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Think Like a Man, gross $96 million, uh, worldwide $12 million budget. Ride Along, $150 million, $25 million budget. And you executive produced straight out of Compton. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean... Obviously, probably the one that... What movie do you say put Will Packer on the map? Stop the yard. Stop the yard, because I, I went out and I pitched it to every studio and they all passed on it. And then it came out of nowhere and opened number one. Mm-hmm. And then everybody started calling me and saying, why you didn't bring us that movie? And I said, I did bring you that movie. Right. You said no, you know? That's the one that made people say, oh, we have to take him serious. Right. Because that's what Hollywood reacts to. Right? They 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 follow the numbers. They don't care about like you if know, it makes dollars, it makes culture. sense. Period. Period. It's a bottom line business. <laughs> it's a bottom line business. And so once I was able to come out and I was the number one movie in the country for two two weeks in a row. Right. And people said, Who the hell is Will Packer? Right. What is this movie Stomp the Yard that we didn't know about? But I had an audience. I had a demographic that was going to come out. Like I said, it wasn't the front row I was making that movie for. It was everybody else. Right. Got people excited about it. Right. That's how I got on the map. To be honest with you. The movie Think Like a Man is from the book Steve Harvey. Yeah. Uh, what was it like working with Steve? And then you're like, Steve, bro, you giving all the secrets away. Bro, come on now. <laughs> damn. Something we just got to keep. We keep that amongst ourselves. Listen, there's a saying I know you don't know about. It's the game is to be uh, sold, not told. Exactly. Steve <laughs> sold the game. Yeah, man, come on, Steve. Steve, Uncle Steve said, I'm going to sell it. If yeah. y'all, if y'all, whether y'all appreciate it or not. <laughs> you know, I was one of the first people to call him about that book. I called him, and this is what, like, you asked about me living in Atlanta mm-hmm. versus living in L.A., right? I'm in L.A. a lot, working Hollywood, but Atlanta's home. It right. puts me in a different uh, circle of people. Right. And what happened was I saw uh, sisters in the hair salon, and they were passing around copies of Steve's book, right? And you would have people like, hey, wait, bring my copy back. I didn't get to finish. It's my turn. Uh, hand it to me. 
And I saw that happening. I said, you know what? You're not seeing all the sales. They're passing this around. Right. So this book has a buzz and has a relevance that is hard to quantify. Right. You know what I mean? The publisher may not even realize that you sold one copy of the book, but 10 people read it. So I called Steve very early. I said, man, I want to turn your book into a movie. He said, mm -hmm. I, it's not even a, a narrative. He said, I'd have never imagined it as a movie. Right. Then it hit bestsellers. Then right. he went on all the morning shows. Then he went on Oprah twice. Now everybody in Hollywood started calling him. To Steve's credit, he remembered the first dude that called him about that book. And he said, you know what? Everybody calling me to turn into a movie because the book's a hit now. I'm going with Will Packer. I'm going to go with the guy who called me first and said he wanted to turn this into a movie. I said, Steve, I'm not going to let you down. I got you. And we opened number one with that movie, too. Put Kevin Hart on the map in a different way. $96 million later, we did a sequel and, and got other stuff in the works as well. Man. It's that grind and that hustle, man. But that, you know what? That's, you know that that says something. That Steve, like all these other big movie studios yes. came in. Yes. And he could have been like, you know what? But the bro man came to me early on. Yeah, he, he did. Because you didn't think it was going to do anything until all of a sudden I had peaked. See, I started going here. Now you want, when I was here, you weren't hollering at Nobody your boy. I was calling. That's right. Right. Back then, didn't want me. But he definitely was, that's, that's who he is. You know what I right. mean? There was a loyalty there. He said, I'm going to get his brother a chance. He was one of the first people to call. And then I went with his blessing. Now right. I was able to go get a major studio on board. We made that with Sony, put an amazing cast together. Yeah, I'm looking at Kevin Hart, Taraji P. Henson, yeah. Gabrielle Union, Chris Brown, Gina. Wendy Williams. Yep. Like I said, when you when you like, okay, I want to do this movie, got Steve's Harvey's blessing, studios have signed on. Now, how do you start to go about the cast? You got to get a good script, right? We had a script, and then it was who can be in it, who can bring this to life. First person I wanted was Kevin Hart. Okay. I knew. Similarly, Hollywood wasn't checking for Kevin at that time, but similarly to the way I knew about Steve's book, in places like in Atlanta, right, mm -hmm. off the Hollywood grid, all people were talking about was Kevin Hart. They mm -hmm. were bootlegging his DVDs like crazy, right? Watching, that's when YouTube was just starting to really pop, watching right. his videos and his, and his stuff over and over. And I watched my kids watching Kevin. I was like, this dude is having a moment, but it's not like he's selling so many, you know, units of his comedy special. Right. So Hollywood doesn't really know how hot he is right now. Right. He was one of the first people I went after. Ran into him at the airport. I said, brother, I'm, I'm making the same thing. Same thing I did still. I said, I'm making a movie. He knew a couple of my movies before, but we didn't really know each other. I said, give me a shot. Let me work with you to make this movie. I want you to star in my new movie that I'm making based on Steve Harvey's book. He said, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. And he gave me that chance, right? Because at that time, Hollywood wasn't coming after him, but he was hot in the streets, so right. to speak. I made that movie. I said, I got you. Put him in the middle. And then it was about how do we put a great ensemble cast around. I'm so proud of that cast, man. You talk about Gabby and you talk about Taraji. You talk about right. Regina Hall, you know? Talk about Michael Ely and Romney Malco and Terrence J. Terrence J got that role. He wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. He showed up at the table read. I didn't have anybody cast for that role. Mm -hmm. We were reading it, right? You do a table read. Everybody sits around and actually acts out the script while you're reading it. Right. And Terrence J came in. I said, listen, I don't know that I can get you in this movie, but sit in for this part of Regina Hall's love interest in the table read. He was so prepared. He had studied so hard. He came in. Everybody else was reading their scripts. Terrence J didn't need a script because he had memorized the whole thing. He knew all his lines. He was completely off book, we call it, and he was acting his ass off in that table read, and that's how he got the role. Wow. He was willing to do what it took. You also work with Oprah. How's it working with Oprah? Because it's Oprah. Yeah. 
It's Oprah. It's like, yeah. like there's certain people, like when you got to go by one name, Oprah. Yeah. Denzel. Yeah. Sam. Yes. And you know what I'm saying? Yes. So you, Period. Yes. And she's, I read here, she said, hey, don't have me looking crazy. She did. She did. <laughs> she did. I went, uh, I went, I went to Promised Land. That's Oprah's uh, estate. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I got invited. I got called up to the estate. I went to Promised Land, and I pitched her, you know, my show ideas for her network, for her own network. Right. And one of the ones I pitched was this uh, dating show called Ready to Love. Right. And she liked it. I said, Listen, Oprah, one of the things the dating uh, reality scene is missing is a show where you have grown folks, adults, right, who are not in their twenties. In your twenties, you don't really know what you're looking for anyway. Right. I said, let's do a show for people in their 30s and 40s Correct. who have experienced something, lived some life. Maybe we're, they were divorced. Maybe they have kids. And also, by the way, African-Americans. That's not a viewpoint that you typically see. She loved it. But she definitely said, listen now, you know, I ain't done a lot of this reality TV, Will. Right. It's my name all over. Don't have me looking crazy. Yeah. She told me that right there at Promised Land. I said, oh, Queen, oh, I got you. Yeah, she said she didn't want black people uh, she wanted black people done right. That she didn't want correct. the true, uh, uh, no mess, no negative stereotype. That is correct. She's serious about that because her name is on it. You yes. Know? It's also who she is. Right. Tyler Perry. Yeah, man. Um, he was one of the first. I mean, he started out with these these DVDs. Medea. The plays. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And I think I've got all every last one of his DVDs. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I remember bringing them home and showing them to my sister. My sister laughing. My mom, my uh, mom was laughing. My grandmother thought they were were hilarious. And he takes Medea and turns it into what it became. And we see what he has become. Huge. What's, what's it like? I mean, you shoot at his studio, right? Yeah, yeah. I've shot at his studio. I've had officers at his studio. He, you know, he, he's, he's my brother and my friend. You know, what he has done is really changed the game. Right. Because before Tyler, there was not a filmmaker that owned a studio outside of Hollywood that Hollywood had to take seriously. Right. Black, white, or other. And for him to create, and in Atlanta, he has a studio that is on par with any of the Hollywood studios. Big. So I'm I talking heard. hundreds of acres. Right. If you ain't been there, we got to get you down there to check it out. I got to check it out. Because yeah. it, uh, it's on the old uh, uh, military. Base. That's Army, right. Yeah. It was an Army base that was not being used, and he took over. The Army base was like 400 plus acres. He has 300 of them right. as his studio. He built it. Everything is top-notch, top of the line. And he did that, as you said, off of Medea. Your aunts and, and family, sister, cousins, y'all, they weren't the only one laughing. Mm -hmm. He touched a nerve right. within the black community. People saw themselves and the family members they knew. Everybody had a Medea, an uncle, a crazy And that's how they talked, too. That's how, and they were. <laughs> said, I'm not sugarcoating it. But give you, it to you straight. You said something, and I heard you said, you know, I realized that I wasn't making movie for the front row. I was making it movie for back there. Yes. He's learned that early on. Yes. That blacks, okay, that's what I'm making. I'm making movies for them. Yeah. They go, they, they, they love this. I'm yeah. making and everybody like, man, I, I'm sure Hollywood at the time didn't take didn't take him serious. At all. But like ain't nobody gonna uh, 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 a six foot four man dressing yeah. up, dressing up yep. and nobody's gonna buy it. Yes. And then before they knew it, yes, he was wildfire. He had yes. caught fire. Yes. And it, the blaze was too big to put out. That's correct. So now they gotta take him serious. Now they now they want to do business with him. Absolutely. That's how, like I said, Hollywood calls when you make money without him. He did something that, um, that I admire and that I've done also in my career, which is put people in positions that they haven't seen themselves. Right. right? 
call it underserved audiences and underserved experiences. And people saw themselves and people they knew on screen in a different way with Tyler's movies and, and, and some of my movies as well. And that's an opportunity that traditional Hollywood did not care about right. until it became profitable. Right. They weren't making movies, you know, the, the, the thing like a man's and girl's trips no. and, and Tyler's stuff and some of these other, they weren't, that wasn't something Hollywood had done frequently. Right. Because they didn't see the value in it. Right. But you had big audiences that said, we want to see ourselves. Right. We want to laugh, cry, and everything in between. Correct. And so it's up to filmmakers like myself to go out there and make, force Hollywood to pay attention by showing that there's an economic viability right. to that audience. That our, our audience is one of the most uh, persuasive, loud, influential audiences, and especially black women. Right. That's what they do. And other people follow them because they have to, because they're so loud. They're like, what are they talking about over there? I got yeah. to go, I gotta right. go find it. You know? Girl Strip wouldn't have made the money it made off of just black people. Yeah, it but they'd be, they be talking in the movie too, though, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, child, tell whoa, whoa. You not in the barbecue shop. Yo, Listen, you can't be doing that. I can't say nothing because my wife is one of the worst offenders. How the producer's wife go be in the movie? I took her to see, uh, there was a movie called um, uh, 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 Be Quiet. What's the movie? Don't Quiet Place. Quiet Place, the whole point of the movie, Shannon Sharp, is you have to be quiet or the aliens will hear you and kill you. Right. So we end the movie and everybody's nervous on the edge of their seats. You can barely hear the popcorn. Cut to Mrs. Pack. Oh, no, don't go. Get, get out of there. Don't go in there. Baby, Jesus Christ, I'm so embarrassed. Baby, hush. what are you saying? No, 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 did you see that? Did you? It's a quiet movie. Listen, my wife is a stereotypical black woman in the movie. I can't take her. I just, I'd be like, baby, we're going to watch it on, on streaming. I Idris Elba. Yeah, man. He was in a movie. Uh, the Beast? Was it yeah. Beast? Beast, yep. I yep. saw that. Running I saw from the lion, shot in South Africa. I, yeah. I saw did that. Did you check it out? I did. Thank you, I brother. I did. Um, I can't say that I was terrible. I wasn't. But see, they did the lion. They did the lion. They killed the they killed the lion brother. They killed his brother. Well, they did. And so you That's know true. he was gonna get that get back. Mm -hmm. He wanted his get back. And he by the way, back. he got a lot yeah. of get back. Yeah. The lion yeah. ate like ten people yeah, in the movie. Did. What did you want? You wanted the lion to eat Idris? Uh, nah, nah, that wouldn't be good. Yeah, but he could have got one of the kids though. Oh, shut <laughs> it, sharp. You know what? This is when we do our Packer Sharp productions. We are gonna have to have a lot of meetings. Cause your movie's gonna go dark. Shannon's trying to get the kids ate. Yeah, just one, just one, just one, just one. You want to eat one of the kids? It was two one. girls, Shannon. It was a father and two daughters. You, you want one of the daughters? Put a boy in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you know we're gonna have to have a meeting before me and you go into producing <laughs> producer together. We're gonna have to have a talk about but, how dark your movie's okay, gonna okay, be, okay. brother. Yeah, you're. I mean, what? Well, well, <laughs> somebody got. I mean, cause like Denzel in, in Training Day. Yes. Denzel got killed off in the end. He did. And it he, was beautiful. He, he deserved to get killed. Yeah, Denzel was, was the antagonist. Okay. <laughs> the antagonist in this movie was the lion, not Idris. He was. He was just trying to defend his family. Oh Jesus! What time you. is the production meeting <laughs> for Packer Sharp Productions? Because we need to. We need to have a meeting over here at the end of Club Shay Shay. His daughter. Yes. Actually, interview for the role. How difficult was it to say, "Sorry, you didn't get it." It, it was. It was. It was. It was not easy. Isan is her name. Isan Elba. She's mm -hmm. an amazing young actress, and you're gonna be hearing more about her. Right. Here's what I'll say. Um, he didn't really. Is it true that he really didn't want her to, to like be in it. Yeah. No, that's not true. Okay. That's not true. Okay. That's not true. I can tell you for a fact. Um, to Idris's credit, he said, "I want the best person for the role." Mm -hmm. Right. 
he wasn't like, you got to no you know, have my daughter. And he wasn't like, I'm not going to have her because she's my daughter. Right. Okay. She went through the same process as everybody else. Okay. Came out, auditioned, Good. did callbacks, the whole thing. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, there was somebody else right. for that role. Right. That was better. Idris accepted it. I, I, I called her myself because I've known Isan for years. Me and right. Idris go back, right? right? So I've known her. And as I said, she's a talented young actress. Right. She's very mature about it. She was disappointed, right. obviously. But she worked and earned that. I will tell you, it is somebody else who's like that is Ice Cube. A lot of people think that O'Shea just got the role in Straight Outta Compton because he was Cube's son. Yeah. Had audition, callbacks, had to beat out people, like had to work hard. One thing I will say is that those are two people, Idris and Cube, who uh, they're not giving anything to them because they want them to be stronger. Right. You know, some of that's cultural, too. Yeah. Right. Our parents say you right. got to work for it. Right. I want you to have it, but you're going to be stronger if you have to work for it. And that's what happened with, 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 with Idris. But I don't know who else could have played Cube because uh, uh, O'Shea looked just like a daddy. He yeah, put that he curl on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You produce Obsessed uh, with Beyonce and Idris. Yeah. Uh, would you like to do another movie with Beyonce? For sure. Absolutely. You know, she um, um, did the Oscars. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't do the Oscars. Yeah. She, she, that's, not, that's not her thing. Right. And it was really only because of, of the relationship that I have with her, herself, my producing partner, Shayla Cowan. We called her and, um, you know, and, and B made it very clear. The only reason I'm opening the Oscars is because of you. So it's that relationship. She is, I would work with her in a heartbeat. Right. You want to talk about work ethic? Yeah. You're not going to outwork B. You are not going to outwork Beyonce. Whatever it is she's doing, she goes a thousand percent. She has earned her position, right. rightfully so, right. because she outworks everybody. She's extremely talented. She is. She has all the good. She has the skill set. She has the look, the sound. She has all of that. But none of that would matter if she didn't work as hard as she did. Right. So she has a lot of, of of fans. I don't mean fandom. I mean people like me that are advocates for her within the industry right. because we know how hard she works and she always delivers. You work with Neil Long and Uncle Buck. Obviously, yeah. And obviously we know what transpired uh, her relationship. Yeah. Uh, have you have you spoken to, to Neil? I, I, I said her to know. I haven't, I haven't spoken with her. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to definitely, you know, give her, give her some time. Um, she and I are good. We're close. Um, you know, I've, I've known her for years. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, no email through her. Um, and you know, just you just you just you just keep somebody like that in your prayers. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You let that be a personal thing. I think he will ultimately, you know, land on his feet and they'll 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 figure out what they're gonna do. Right. Uh is there somebody that you haven't worked with that you like to work with? A lot. I I, I haven't worked with Denz. You mentioned Denzel, okay. you know. Um, put it out Sam. there, manifest it. See, yep, Sam Jackson. You know, yeah, put it absolutely. out there. We're gonna make it manifest you know, that. Yeah, yeah. I know, and by the way, big supporters. Like it's all love. Like, yeah. when I see them, they they like, hey, brother, we see you. Yeah. We see you doing your thing. Right. Keep going. Right. You know, very encouraging. So, um, Sam and I got close a couple times, but it just hadn't happened yet. So, it'll, it'll happen when it's right. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, I look at, like, Denzel, and I, I've met him. Um, his son used to work out with Savannah. He used to, I mean, Savannah, Atlanta. He trained with our trainer. We worked out together. But Denzel seems mythical. I mean that that voice and the, the enunciation and the cadence. Yeah, he don't miss. Uh uh, he don't miss. Nope, nope. It ain't a bad Denzel role. Bad Denzel. It's not. You may not like the movie, but you Denzel yeah. did his thing yeah. in that movie. Yeah, whatever uh, it is. You know, from Glory, they filmed Glory in Savannah. We had a lot of people that went out there and was extra in Glory. Yeah, and then That's uh, the one uh, that put him on the Cry map. Freedom. Yeah, uh, with Bantu Stephen Biko. Absolutely. Unbelievable. You know one of the movies that I like that don't get a whole lot of credit? What? 
I like Devil in Blue Dress. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, like uh, Harlem Mosley uh, uh, book. Yeah. Harlem Blues. Yeah. I mean, but, but then, like you said, Denzel can't miss. No, he can't. Hey, he got me from Malcolm X. You like the, the old Hurricane. school, I see. Yeah, you, you, man. You're old soul, I, I man. Like you train, like the... training, day was, training day was great. What about John Q? Man, you, I love that's John one of his underrated but, 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 classics. Like I said, I, I mean, what, what, I mean, what movie did we say? Oh man, Denzel was. Whether it's they, what can, movie can we say? Oh man, uh, Denzel was bad in that movie. You're not gonna see it. Can't. He takes it very seriously. But he'd be he on gonna, it. He gonna come hard. Fences. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. No, he's a legend. Let's just give it to him. I mean, that, that's that's the goat. If there's such a thing, you yeah. know what I mean. When you talk about acting, you know, black or white, right? On and, any Martin Luther, you and, can stand and, on ten toes but down. But I think, I think Blue, Devil in Blue Dress is probably the only movie. Um, Man and, on Fire, and Don Courage Cheetah. Under Fire, on fire. Uh, Under Fire, yeah. Yeah. Courage Under Fire. You know, Hurricane. I mean, it's like I think for me, Malcolm Malcolm X was the movie, really, because he looked like him. Yeah. He spoke like him. The enunciation, the phonetic, and the cadence in which he spoke. Yes, man, he played that part. How he not win? Story. How he did not win the Academy Award for that? Well, you know. Back then, but we already know. But anyway, we're going to move, move right along. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think you want to get into that we Academy Award and what should and shouldn't have happened. Uh, okay. I'm look, looking at Girls Trip. Mm -hmm. Girls Trip 2, you shot the first one for about, about $12, $19 million. Obviously, the budget will be a lot bigger this time. What? How? I mean, what, so what, where are they going now? They went to New Orleans. No, no, <laughs> no. so, so where are they going now? We're trying to figure it out, man. I'm open <laughs> to suggestions. What you what you think with this Packer Sharp? First of all, you probably want to kill everybody. No, 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 kill nobody. No, you know, girls, they go to Miami. Yeah. They go to the Dominican. Okay. They go to uh, uh, Jamaica. Yes. Uh, where else they go? Is Dominican really that popular with the ladies, though? They... I know the fellas go to Dominican all the time. Why you think they going? Well, golf. Well, okay, let you tell it. Ain't nobody Weather. going to do that. I ain't never heard of no golf course it's in the Dominican Republic. Good, um, paddle boarding. <laughs> in, you know what? I, 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 I want to keep my show, so I'm going to let him. At Shannon Sharp yeah. with an E on the yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, where, where else they go? We got to go somewhere. Miami? Yeah, but y'all can do better than that. You don't but, think? So you got to be. So. We, we don't want to go exotic? I'm telling you, we having a little the session right the now. Dominican. Dominican is good. They go I just don't know if that's like when you talk about girlfriends and they say, okay, we're going to do a girlfriend's trip. Where do we most want to go? Is DR on that list? Maybe it is. Yeah. Okay. Jamaica. Okay. Uh, you spend a lot of time in DR? No. Huh? No. You I, broke up. Your voice got real high on that answer. Uh, I have not. Um, you there? I, I, no, I've never been to the huh? DR. I've never been to the Why DR. Why are you stuttering? No, I haven't. You've never been to the Dominican Republic? I have not. Seriously? Nope. Really? Never been to Jamaica. What? Nope. Oh, we got to get you in the Caribbean. Nah. Come on, Aunt, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's wrong with the Caribbean? I'm trying they to get... They got great uh, I'm trying to get, I'm, trying and... to get, I'm trying to get and stay in a relationship. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> and the Dominican is not going to help that. <laughs> I see you not trying to help my cause. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You produced the Oscars. I did. And that moment happened. When did you, did you think, like when Chris Rock said the joke and then as Will got up, did you think it would go the way it went? And when it happened, what went through your mind? Um, so when you do a big live show like that, yes. you have many rehearsals, okay? You do the whole show. Yes. And you run it through multiple times. Yes, I know, yeah. It's live, you want very little room for error, so you rehearse every aspect of the show. So we had done Chris's part of the show, right? right? In there, on the stage, he had done his monologue, his little, you know, his, his, his jokes, he had a section already worked out. And when he got up, almost immediately, he was off book from the monologue that we had rehearsed, right? right? And so I didn't think much of it at all, because it's rock. Right. So if it's anybody you want to go off book, that's Rock. Right. You know, he got this. He's going to play to the crowd. When he made the joke, um, the first thing that the director did was, was pan to Jada. No question. Right. And when Jada made that face that clearly said, I am not amused and this is not funny to me, right. I cringed. I immediately went, ugh. Because if she had kind of laughed at it, right. It still would have been kind of a, you know, okay, right. Rock, you're going right. there. But if she laughed at it, we would have just kept it moving. Right. When she made that face, I said, ooh, okay. I said, all right, Rock, bring it back. This is me. I'm, I'm in the you, back. You, you said, you're not in his ear, but you, you said. I'm not in said. his ear. I, he, he's not. He, he, doesn't he, don't have, have, no. head, he don't have the ear. I'm have in my director's ear. Right. And we're talking to our camera people because we're trying to decide where to go. Meaning with the camera. Right, right. right. So I said, oh, bring it back. Come on, Rock. Bring it back. All right. You know. Then you see Will starting to come towards the stage. Right. When I tell you nobody in that room knew what was about to happen other than Will, and I'm not even sure Will knew what was about to happen right. when he stood up. Right. So, no, I did not know. And when he got up, I wasn't sure that it had actually been a slap. Right. I thought this was some kind Rehearsed. of bad joke okay. that the two of them right. had well, put only, together. Only went on, yeah. But it wasn't that funny. So right. I said, okay, well, you got to clean this up. Right. You got to, y'all got to bring it back or make a joke or something. Right. And it wasn't until Will got back in the seat and he started yelling what he yelled to the stage that we all knew, oh, it's this right. real. We got a problem. Did you ever think about Fade to Black? Here's the thing. <laughs> it's a good question. I've been asked that, right? So here's what happened. When you're doing live television, yes. You are literally, it's like a tennis match. You're right. following the ball. That's what you do. Draft. Yep. So he made the joke. We cut to Jada because it was about Jada. We had cameras all through the audience. Right. Will went on stage. We still did not know it was serious until Will started yelling what he was yelling. Right. Right. We're covering him because that's what you do. You're right. following it. You don't want to miss the joke if right. it's some kind of a joke. Right. Once we realized that he was dead serious about it, we had nowhere to cut to. Okay. We're in the middle of presenting the award for documentary, which Questlove ended right. up winning, mm -hmm. I didn't have anywhere to go but right. to follow the action in that room, right? right? And it happened so fast that we didn't know, okay, we need to fade to black, go to commercial. Right. No, it was like, okay, how do we get out of this? Right. All we could do at that point was follow the action. I didn't have, some people ask, why didn't you cut to 
somebody else in the room get off a wheel, I'd have a person in that room I could cut to because everybody's faces was right. shock, aghast. Right. Right? So did they know did they know it was for real? Because you said you thought it was a joke. None of us knew it was for real until Will got back to his seat and started saying. He started yelling, I told you to leave my That is correct. At that point, it was clear this ain't a joke. He's serious. We could tell by Chris's reaction. By the way, Chris saved the rest of the show. I know. I know. I already know what you about to, because this, this you, you know what y'all about to get right now in Club Shay Shay? Y'all about to get a, you better be glad it wasn't me. That's what you about to get from Chris, Shannon Sharp. You about to get Chris, a, Chris what would happen if you was up there? Chris is the ultimate, first of all, Will, you and I both know. Ain't nobody I, running up? He'd have never done that. <laughs> now, I, hey, I don't want Will Smith canceled, but I felt that there are a lot of people that's made jokes about Jada. I didn't think, I didn't think it was such an egregious joke mm-hmm. that warranted that type of reaction. That's not my wife, so I can't... Maybe somebody said, if I'm married, and somebody said something, uh, but I think this was a build-up. That wasn't... That that joke wasn't what caused that. There is a build-up that people have been taking and saying things about Will. How he the first guy to win a Grammy for rap? How he the first guy to do... And it's, it kept building, it kept building, and it reached that crescendo that night. I hate that it reached that crescendo that night because that was his night. And unfortunately, his night's going to be overshadowed for perpetuity for that incident. That is correct. That is correct. It will always be remembered by that. I also hate it because it was a good show. It was great. I'm just going to tell you. And it, yeah, you know, I, I I did it. Me, Shayla, we made, you know, we made the show. I'm proud of it. But even if I didn't, we had more people watch that show than had in years. My goal was to reverse the trend of the ratings going right. down. And I, we did I, outside of the slap. I, I ain't going to lie. <clears throat> I wasn't going to watch it. I just tuned in. And it just, <laughs> until what happened, I tuned in. That happened. I you think tuned I... in for the slap? No, no. Um, you I... were supposed to. I had Beyonce. I had Megan Thee Stallion. Come on. I, I had a good show for you. I know. But Why I... did you not watch the I show? I wasn't going to watch the whole show. But then, after he did that, I was like, well, Chris Rock going to get some get back. Let me see so what's going to happen. So let me see get that get back. You know, we got to get back. We got to steal. I, you steal me. I got to steal you back. Chris left. Chris <laughs> left immediately. He didn't want no parts of it. He got off stage. I went back, talked to him, had a conversation. He probably said, I can't believe that you know what did that. He said, man, I'm out of here. He said, this is stupid. He said, I'm out. I said, you sure? You good? What you want me to do? He was like, man, I'm, I'm, he, he was on his way to Guy Fieri's uh, after party. He said, man, I'm about to go get me a drink. I'm, I'm, this is stupid. He was, he was so kind of disgusted with it all. He just wanted to get out. Right. Did you talk to Will after the show? Did you talk to? I talked to everybody. I talked to everybody. He was very remorseful. Still is. Very remorseful. Yeah. Yeah. And he felt very bad. He, he had a personal conversation with me because, um, this was the first Oscars that was produced by an all-black producer. Yes. This is the first time in Oscars history. Yes. Um, everything. Everything was black. Catering service was black. The catering service. Y'all had mac and cheese. Real, had, yeah, everything, everything was we black. We had black conductors. Yeah, yeah. The people that were bringing out the Oscars yeah. were HBCU. Y'all gave them black church fans. Come on, man. <laughs> I had D-Nice spinning. We're going to have some flavor now. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It was a good show. I'm proud of the show. I yeah. wanted to have representation you don't normally see on, right. on that stage. I hate that ultimately that night where we had so much black excellence. Yes. And just diverse excellence. Right. Right? I don't care if you're talking about blacks, um, Latinos, uh, uh, deaf, the first deaf actor to win an award, yeah. win an Oscar. Yeah. All of that I'm very, very proud of. First, first um, uh, non-binary queer yeah. uh, actress, Ariana DeBose. At the end of the day, I think the show, you know, of course that is something that will be remembered by, but I'm very proud of the substance of the right. show. 
and a lot of people tuned in, even though you didn't help. Uh, thank you. I did. I watched. You, you did got, not. You, you watched too late. No, no, no. If no. you tune in with the slap, the ratings are already in. The slap no, the, was too late. What? I'm telling you, the rate. I went up sixty percent before the slap. Oh. By the time you get there, I, that was in the third hour of the show. But I keep. But what I, were you watching on Sunday night other than than the Oscars in February? Football went on. What was you doing? I don't, I don't remember. Huh? I don't remember. See, you was probably playing that but trip I, to DR. That's but, the but, problem. But, <laughs> if you stick with me. But, but I got to just. I said, oh yeah. I said, now I got to stay. Now I can't leave. Now you, you got to see what's gonna happen. You know, look. You know how people watch television. They watch television incrementally. Okay, I watch a little bit. I flip to something else. Yeah. I come back. Yeah. I flip. to... Yeah. But once I saw that, you had I couldn't leave. You I had to see what was going on. I hope happen. they don't cut the break. Because if they cut the break, I might miss something. They won't be able to get that. Will, I appreciate My it, brother. brother much come success, on, man. much love. I appreciate Thank everything you, you do. Right Thanks for giving you. me a couple of minutes. Come on, man. Anytime, brother. Thank you. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.